0: Welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right, so I want to share a message with you today. And the title of the message is, God Needs You. God Needs needs you. Now, uh, you've probably done a presentation at work or you've spoken in a life group one time or spoken at some point. you've probably had to speak and you might not remember this from speech class or English class, but when you when you do a speech, you come up with your title, which is the primary um, subject you want to get across. but then all of your points, must support your title. All right? So, I just want to give you point number one, and I want you to remember now that your points have to support your title. All right? So, my title is God Needs You, but point number one is God doesn't need anything. In other words, it really doesn't support my title, if you notice that. And the reason is because the statement, God needs you, is actually not theologically correct. And I'm going to adjust it, okay? Just stay with me. I'll adjust it. But I'm just going to take you somewhere. And I want to tell you how this message developed in me. Uh, On our 25th anniversary, Debbie and I went on an Alaskan cruise. We were sitting on the deck. We weren't maybe a mile offshore, And we were looking at this vast expanse. If you've ever been to Alaska, it's just amazing how large the wilderness is there. So we're looking at it, and I got I just got to have this thought, God, you are so big. You are just so big. You're so powerful. And then I just said, You you don't need anything. And the Lord impressed on my heart those three words. He said, I need you. And I hate to tell you what I did, but um, I began to explain to God why that was not theologically correct. <laughs> I even quoted him a scripture in case he'd forgotten. Acts eleven twenty five 25 says, uh, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. God doesn't need anything. God is self-existent, he's self-sufficient, and he's self-sustaining. So you might have to think about that for a moment. He's self-existent, he is self-sufficient, and he's self-sustaining. He doesn't need anything, okay? So I know that theologically. And I I just kind of kept arguing with him. I said, God... you don't need anything. And he kept saying to me, I need you. I said, no, you don't need me. You don't need anything. He said, I need you. And so I realized he wanted to tell me something. I I realized he wanted to impart something to me that I want to impart to you. So my point number one was God doesn't need anything, but let me help us understand this now. Point number two is God decided to need you. He decided to need you. And let me, let me help you with this word need. Let me say it another way that kind of um, is better financially. I mean, uh, um, understand for us to understand it, God decided to partner with you. Another way to say God needs you is God partners with us. Another way to say it is, God doesn't need us to exist. He needs us to coexist. He decided to coexist, partner with humans. This is all through Scripture. So we're going to go back to the very beginning, and I'm going to show you how God decided to partner with mankind, all right? Uh, Acts, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 says, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Now I want you to watch this next sentence because we kind of read over this one, especially if we're reading our Bible right before we go to sleep, you know, at night. All right. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Let me say that again. Whatever Adam called each living creature, each animal, that was its name. Okay, that's why we have hippopotamus. Because Adam said, you look like a hippopotamus. That's it. Okay, but why did God do this? Why didn't God say, here, Adam Come come here, let me show you something. Um, You see see that big fat animal over there? It's got the long nose. That's an elephant, son. Okay, That's an elephant. And um, if he's coming at you, run, okay? Um, uh, Okay, look look over there. See, it looks like a great big cat. Remember I showed you dogs and cats earlier? See the big, great big one? Okay, that's a lion. Stay totally away from him. Don't ever get close to him, okay? Um, And, uh, oh, watch out. That was a duck. Duck. Oh, all right. All right. All right. Okay. And if he if he if he'd have been in Texas, he would have said, "Okay, you see that deer? That's a nice deer. That's about a one eighty Boone and Crockett deer. You see that deer? You need to learn shoot a bow and arrow because that's a good deer right there." Okay. And then you can put him on your wall. Really is a beautiful deer right there, okay? All right, see, so why didn't God tell Adam the names of the animals? God could have named the animals when he created them. Why did he do it? Because he wanted to partner with Adam. He wanted to give Adam some responsibility. By the way, he gave him authority, and you don't have authority unless you fulfill responsibility. Uh, Now, let's think just for a moment about Adam. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but Adam was a genius. To name every animal, every animal, mosquitoes, spiders, snakes, tigers. Just the list goes on and on. He's a genius. Now, you know how I know how he he was a genius? Because he was created by a genius. And just on a practical level, if a genius is going to create someone to hang out with, he's not going to create a dummy. I mean, God didn't want to say, come here, son, come here. Look at the spectrum of that sunset. And Adam go, "Uh, yeah. So he's a genius. God created him that way. And by the way, he was a genius until he sinned. And just to let you know, the more you sin, the dumber you get. I'm just telling you. (laughs) I remember one night Debbie and I were talking, and it was getting late at night, and I was getting sleepy. And she literally said to me, you know, the sleepier you get, the stupider you get. That's a real encouraging. Okay, so anyway, this thing about God partnering with people is all through Scripture. I'm going to show you a Scripture that's amazing unless you understand that God partners with people, all right? And it's about Jesus when he was on this earth. Mark chapter 6 verse 5 says, now he, that's Jesus, could do no mighty work there, or could not do a mighty work there. He could not. Not he would not, but he could not, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And this word could in the Greek means to be able or to to be possible. So Jesus could not, he wasn't able to do a mighty work there because of their unbelief. Okay, just got to personalize it. Is it possible that God cannot do a mighty work in your marriage because of your unbelief? Is it possible? Is it possible that he cannot do a mighty work in your finances because of your unbelief? Now, you need to understand God is able. He has all power. He can do anything, but he has limited his unlimited power to your faith. Now, that's a statement you could chew on all week. God's unlimited power is limited in your life by your faith and by your obedience. It's amazing. Now, so I'm saying that God has decided to partner with people. Is it possible that Satan knows this? <laughs> you ever thought about that? And is it possible that Satan uses it against you? A famous story, David and Goliath in the Bible. First 1 Samuel 17, verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Uh, that's nine and a half feet, by the way, if you want to know. Six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. Now, you got to remember, I'm a, a math guy. So without me trying to do it, while I'm reading through this list of armor, I'm numbering them. It just happens, okay? I don't, I don't try to get it to, all right? So I, saw, I already saw six. His, his height was six. So I see the number six, all right? Now, he had a bronze helmet on his head, one. He was armed with a coat of mail, two. Then it says the weight of his coat was 5,000 talents, shekels of bronze, and I've got something else about that, but we don't have time to go into it. He had a bronze armor on his legs, that's three. Bronze javelin between his shoulders, that's four. The staff of his spear, five, was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead, that's six. Six pieces of armor, named six, pieces of armor, and watch this, weighed 600 shekels. And his shield bearer went for him. Okay, here's here's what I saw when I read that. that just happened like that. Six, six, six. <laughs> six, I saw six, six, six. Hey, have y'all ever heard that number before anywhere? It's the number of the Antichrist. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Goliath was the Antichrist. Obviously, we know there's an Antichrist coming. And according to John, 1 John says, even now there are many Antichrists among you. Okay, so what I am saying, though, is Goliath was anti-God. He was anti the people of God. He was. So Satan is actually speaking through Goliath. And watch what Satan through Goliath says, verse eight. Then he, that's Goliath, stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Watch these statements, watch this statement. Choose a man, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Okay, so Goliath says, give me a man. Okay, who is prompting Goliath though? Satan is. And why would Satan say this? Because he knows that God has decided to partner with people. See, he knows that. And I think there's a a background conversation going on. I think Satan is actually saying to God, I got you now. I've got you. Because I figured out how you work. You, even though you have all power and you could squash me like a bug, you've decided to work through people. And there's not a man in all Israel that's got the guts to stand up to my man. So I've got you. I can take all of your people captive. Can you imagine that there could be a conversation like that going on in the airways above Houston? And that Satan is saying, I've got Houston. I've got it. Because there's not a man or woman that's got the guts to stand up against me. And yet, God's people are beginning to say, yes, we do. Yes, we do. It doesn't matter how large Houston is. Our God is larger. And our God is greater. And our God is stronger. And we will stand up against you. And we can win the battle in prayer. And in action. We we prayer without works is dead, so we're going to pray and do things. Okay. All right. But here's here's says Here's Satan. I got you. I got you. And you can see God. He's not scared at all. Because God knows the future. <laughs> so, so God already knew Satan was going to bring Goliath. He already knew this. So do you realize what he was doing? He was preparing David with a lion and a bear. Way before this ever happened, God knew. So here's Satan saying, I got you. There's not a man that's got the guts to stand up against my man. Here's what I think God would have said. I don't need a man. I got a boy. I got a 17-year-old boy that I've been preparing, and he's not scared of you. And he's not scared of your giant either. See, this this truth is all through Scripture. Scripture. All right, even I showed you one in Mark, a New Testament verse. I'll show you another New Testament verse. Everybody knows, Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you realize how easy it is to get saved? Jesus already did all the work. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord. It's that easy. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But have you ever read the next verse? The next verse shows how God partners with people. Verse 14 says, And how then shall they call on him? Because whoever calls will be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how they how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And I don't think about Ethan right now. A preacher simply means a, a, a proclaimer or one who tells the story. Okay, that's all of you. So all he's saying is, All they have to do is call, but how they're going to call unless they believe? How they're going to believe unless they hear? And how they're going to hear unless one of my people tells them? Just tells them that Jesus did it and Jesus died for their sins. That's all we got to do. So it's a partnership. Okay, so first point was God doesn't need anything. Theologically, he doesn't need anything. But second point is God decided to need us or partner with us. But here's the... Third point, have you decided to need God? Because God decided to need you, or God decided to partner with you, have you decided to partner with God? Now, if you've gotten saved, that's the first step. You've decided to partner with God. But now, three months, three years, 30 years later, are you still partnering with God? Are you partnering with God in your marriage? are you partnering with God in your finances? Are you partnering with God by witnessing and sharing your faith? Are you partnering with God by serving? Are you partnering with God by praying? See, all that's partnership with God. Um, Let me uh, give you three sub points, if that's okay, all right? So I gave you a uh, title and three points, and now I'm gonna give three sub points under point three, okay? So, because you need to know some things about partnering with God, all right? Here's, here's the first sub point. God is never going to do our part. You just need to know that. God's never going to do your part. In other words, he's not going to witness to your neighbor. That's your part. He sent Jesus, that was his part. But now you have to tell somebody. He's not going to pray for you, although he's going to help our prayers. But you're going to have to pray. He's not going to tithe for you or even make you tithe. That's that's all up to you when you pay your bills. See, are you following? He's not going to love your wife like Christ loved the church. That's up to you or serve her. That's you. Uh, And here's what I think. I think sometimes people get mad at God because they know God has all power. He's omnipotent, and yet he's not coming through for them. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, this message is better than you think. That's a good message. This message will change your life in all these areas that you're upset with God for not doing his part, and he's thinking, I need you to do your part so I can do my part. I kinda, I kinda wonder if some people are like, God, why don't you heal my marriage? And God's like, why don't you love your wife like Christ loved the church? Jerk. I'm not gonna that. He has used those words to me. So maybe he didn't use those words to you, but he used that word with me. Okay. Why don't you be a servant in your family instead of a Lord? God, why why, why don't you bless me financially like I hear you blessing other people? And the Lord's thinking, why don't you stop stealing from me? Since the Bible explicitly says the tithe belongs to me. And you're, you're to not give the tithe, but return the tithe to the house of God. You know, I've told I told our church for years, I've told our church for years, for years, 24 years now, I've told our church, if you'll tithe, that's giving the first 10% to God, to the house of God. I, I've told our church, and this is on record, if you tithe for one year and you're not fully satisfied, we'll give you your money back. You know why I can make that claim? Because God says in Malachi, test me. Just test me. And he saw my tithing. Test me and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven. What an incredible deal. And pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And then he says, and, and, kind of like if you call right now, it's like a special, you know. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He doesn't even say, I'll rebuke the devourer for the kingdom's sake or for my sake. He said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. And your washing machine will last longer than it should. (laughs) And it won't go out at a month after the one-year warranty goes out. I think the devil gets in washing machines personally. Here's what God, God says, just try it. Just, just test. It's the only place in the Bible God says you can test him is with tithing. That's the only place. You find, look look it up. There's no other place God says you can test God. He says, test me in this area. All right. are y'all following the gist of this message? See, we're all waiting for God to do his part. And is it possible that God's waiting for us to do our part. It's just all through Scripture. Okay, so let me go back to Adam and the Goliath just for a moment to bring it all together, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you something about Adam that you might not know, depending on how long you've been in church and how much you've studied Scripture and things like that. And don't ever feel bad about that because we're all we're all growing and learning. We're all at different places, right? Um, but Adam sinned, and the whole world was condemned. Now I know that's heavy for some of you that have never heard that, but read Romans 5. Just read Romans 5. It says, one man sinned and death spread to all men. And and then it goes on to explain it even further so that we understand that one man sinned and all were condemned. By the way, I'll just say something nice you ladies might want to hear. It never says Eve sinned. (laughs) Yeah, I knew that, I knew that. Okay, I'm just joking. Uh, But it says Eve was deceived. He was deceived, but it says Adam sinned. By the way, in marriage counseling, you know what I find out the most? I find out that the woman's been deceived, and I find out the man is just simply rebellious. And sometimes I'd like to have a six foot four, two hundred eighty pound guy in there to help the man understand. You know what he needs to do. But that's, okay, that's a whole nother, I shouldn't have even brought that up. That's a whole nother, we'll do a marriage conference one day and we'll talk about that, okay? Now I'll go into scripture to prove it to you, okay? But I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, okay, out loud. But doesn't it seem a little unfair that one man sinned and the whole world was condemned? Not if you know the whole story, but I said you didn't have to answer it loud, but that's okay. <laughs> you're right, though. But, does, I mean, just in your natural mind, all right, doesn't seem a little unfair. I remember in Bible college when I learned this, I thought, now, wait a minute, Adam sinned, and I'm, I've been I was condemned for that? I didn't do it. Of course, again, as you know the whole story, you're right. You find out that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. All right, and that no man is without sin, okay? And man, by the way, many times when the Bible uses the word man, ladies, just because I I helped you all ago, I just want to now not help you. Um, (laughs) The word is not male. There are two Greek words for man. One means male, one means mankind. That includes you, okay? So all mankind has sinned. All male and female has sinned, okay? All right, but... It, it seem, doesn't it seem a little unfair. One man sin, the whole world was condemned. Now, see, none of you really want to answer that yes because you're in church. You don't want to say, yeah, that, that does seem unfair. But men, some of you might even get in the car and say to your spouse, you know, it really does seem unfair. When you think about it, it really is unfair. I mean, I thought about it. It really is unfair. Okay. It wasn't unfair It was brilliant, brilliant. Only God could have thought of it. And let me tell you why. You're gonna love this when I tell you. Since it only took one man to lose it all, it only took one man to get it all back. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. See, you don't have to die on the cross for your sins because Jesus already did it for all. For all. It's all through Hebrews, for all. It says that I think four times for all. One once for all. Well, he died once for all. For all. Okay, so... But here's what you need to know. Since a man lost it, a man had to get it back. That's why Jesus had to be born a human. God had to become man and live the life that you couldn't live and die the death that you should have died so you can be forgiven of all of your sins. Okay, but God needed a man. Since a man lost it, he needed a man to get it back. Okay, so that's a little thought about Adam. Let me give you a little thought about Goliath. Goliath says, and remember, think there's Satan behind him talking, urging him on. Goliath says, choose a man for yourselves. And let him come down and fight with me. If he wins, he gets them all. If I win, I get them all. Okay. So is it possible that Satan it was saying to God in the background, choose a man for yourself and let him come down. Now, I personally think he regretted the words come down. Because the Bible says Jesus came down from heaven. Okay. Let him come down and fight with me. And if he wins, he gets everybody. And if I win, I get everybody. And it's possible that God said something like this. Hmm. Okay. I'll agree to that. I'll choose a man. I choose... Jesus. And Satan would have said, wait, 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 wait a minute. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. He's not a man. And God might have said something like this Well, we'll just make him one. And Jesus became a man and he won. (laughs) He won. And so, in essence, he gets everybody, but the whole point of my message is, okay, so don't, don't say to yourself, oh, he's preaching ultimate reconciliation. If you don't know what that is, that means that some people believe everybody's saved in the end because of Jesus' propitiatory death, because of his uh, sacrificial death, you know, his substitutionary death is what that word means. That means that everyone is saved no matter what they do. No, that's not at all what I'm saying because remember God partners with people and it's very, very clear in the Bible that God created you in his image and do you know what God has? God has a will. You ever heard about God's will? What's God's will? Okay, a will is a choice. Do You know what? God created you in his image so you have a choice. God doesn't send anyone to hell Everyone who goes to hell chooses to go to hell. Because, but Jesus has already paid for your sins. You just have to choose Jesus. It's that simple. So God decided to partner with you. But Jesus has already paid for your sins. He's already won the salvation for every person who will ever live. But whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Will be saved. And I need to go into a little more because you take one scripture and it's truth, but even as you say, if you know, you got to know the whole story, you got to know the whole Bible. What that means is whoever will surrender his will to the Lordship of Christ. Because can I tell you something? Satan believes in Jesus, but he's not saved. You know why he's not saved? because he won't surrender his will to the Lordship of Christ. So I just need to let you know, I don't mean to be rude about this or or too straightforward, but I need to let you know, and I really want to say something to the men here. As a man, a man's man, I want to tell you something. If you're still in charge of your life, you're going to go to hell. And you won't be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know, because I just told you. If you're a man here and you're in charge, you are on your way to hell until you surrender your will to the Lordship of Christ. That's salvation. That's what belief is. It's like the the guy that walked across Niagara years ago in the 30s on a tightrope. And then he said, how many of you believe that I can carry a man on my back across this tightrope. And you know what they did? There's 5,000 people there that day they said. They all said, we believe. And then he said, who wants to be that man? (laughs) And one man stepped forward. And this this French tightroper carried him across on his back. There's pictures of it. You can look it up. Let me just say something. They all believed but one man believed because he put his trust in that tightrope walker. See, a lot of you believe, but not all of you have put your trust in Jesus. Have you decided to need God? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I really, I'd like to just, Take a moment when no one looked around at either campus, Katie or Magnolia. I just want you just for a moment to just, or anyone online. I'd really, if you're even on, if you're online, even if you're by yourself or with some friends, it'd be great if you just close your eyes for a moment. Because there might be someone in that room that just needs a moment alone with God. But I'm wondering how many of you would say, Pastor Robert, I know God loves me. I know Jesus died on for, for me. Maybe you even walked an aisle when you were young or made some sort of decision or you were sprinkled or something. But you'd say, to be honest with you and with God, I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I'm asking you to be honest with, with just me. I'm the only one looking around right now. And please be honest. This is the most important thing you could ever do. How many of you would say, just Pastor Robert, I know God loves me. I know Jesus died for me. I even believe that, but I'm not sure that if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Would you just put your hand up where I can see it? Just just put it up way high, way high. God bless you. Hands all over. Hands all over. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so proud of you. But you can put your hands down. Okay, would you just give your life to Jesus right now? (laughs) Wasn't that cool to just just hear it like that? It's so simple. Would you just tell Jesus right now, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Just tell him that for all of my sins. And I receive Jesus today. Just tell him, I receive Jesus today as my Lord and as my Savior. And then I really want you to say this to him, just in your heart. I want you to say, thank you, Jesus for saving me today. Because you understand, once Jesus saves you, it's for eternity. He'll never lose you. You're in his hand, you're in the Father's hand, and no one can pluck you out of his hand. It's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. You you ought to be so happy right now. How many, again, no heads looking, no one's looking. How many of you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer right now. And, and just put your hand way up high. I prayed that prayer, and I really meant it. You ought to be proud to put your hand up. It's the best best thing you've ever done. You ought to be proud of it. God bless you. You can put your hand up. It's, it's amazing. It makes my trip worthwhile right there. It's just incredible how many people just prayed that prayer. Okay, I, I need to ask you to do one more thing. Please, please just stay with me. In a moment, we're all going to stand, all of us. And when we stand, we're going to have our prayer team here at the front. And, and in a moment, I'm gonna pray. And, and by the way, when I pray, if you're on the prayer team, you can go ahead and make your way to the front so you'll be ready because there were several people that prayed, lots of people, at least 50, maybe 75 people that prayed that prayer. So if if you prayed that prayer, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. It's gonna take humility. I just want you to come to one of the people at the front and say, I gave my life to Jesus' sake. I'm not asking you to say it in front of everybody because we're gonna be worshiping. I just want you to say to one person, I prayed that prayer, or I gave my life to Jesus. Here's why. It's very, very important. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. There's something about confessing it with your mouth, saying it with your mouth. The other, Another scripture is Jesus said if you will confess, that's saying it with your mouth, if you will confess me to another person, then I'll confess you to my Father in heaven. If you won't confess me to someone else, I won't confess you to my Father in heaven. In other words, you're sealing the deal. You're saying, I really, I really, today I got saved, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. You've got to make up your mind. As soon as we stand in just a moment, you're gonna stand up, and you're gonna step out and come, and you're just gonna come, okay? And you're gonna say to one person, please, make up your mind right now, and here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray. And then after I pray, I'm gonna stay up here for, for a moment. And I'm just gonna ask you, come, come on right now, right now, come, all right? And But while I'm praying, if you're on the prayer team, you make your way to the front so you're ready to receive. But if you prayed that prayer, you put your hand up, I want you to step out, just be the first one to step out and come and say to someone, I prayed that prayer and I gave my life to Jesus, all right? Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. For every man, every woman, every young person who prayed that prayer, I I rebuke Satan right now in Jesus' name from stopping them from making this decision public and sealing the deal right now. And Lord, I pray you'll give them courage right now in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.